My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Good evening, Patriots. It is the end of Wednesday, December 20th in the year 2023. You know, we've really, this is this whole week of, you know, kind of pre-holidays, and the message has been pretty heavy, and I totally admit it. It's just, but unfortunately, what we're dealing with right now is we head into a lot of these holiday things. We're dealing with such an intensity of trying to get people into, lull people into this, either a false reality or trying to get them to a place where people are going to believe in false hopes. And it's one of these things that, unfortunately, we have to start facing some really hard issues. And 
I'm not going to go hard into all of this tonight, but I definitely want to kind of set the stage for some discussions this evening of things that just are not easy for us to face. We're coming together with family. And with this time of year, we want to kind of put everything aside and forget about everything. And unfortunately, we're going to be confronted with a lot of these issues, like it or not, because we're going to be sucked into the vortex and the family gatherings of either we're going to talk about the horrors of the government and we're all going to be on the same side. Or there's going to be the divisive conversations or worse. There's going to be like the nobody can say anything because they're afraid they're going to step on each other's toes. And we're going to end up, you're going to end up with a family divide and then it blows up into an argument that just ends nowhere. And those are kind of like the worst of all. There has to be a center point in which we approach things so fully and completely that we always go back to Christ and enter into our, our walk with him and the healing that that brings. And we have to be setting ourselves into a condition of walking into things, understanding really what it is that's at stake. Because a lot of what's happening right now is people, I really believe, don't understand what's at stake right now. And it is a big deal. But what I'm trying oh, to say on. is... Well, that just started out of nowhere. Sorry about that. I'm going to play a piece here by uh, what's called fourth watch this guy's pretty good and he's actually following our uh, tiktok channel now and you're going to hear and by the way i don't listen to him much but it's interesting because what you're going to hear him say are things you hear me say now, he's a he's a real heavy duty prayer intercessor he's travels the world and does intercessory prayer prayer walks and he really speaks a message of kingdom and I want to spend a little bit here playing this piece. I don't know if we'll do the whole thing. It's seven minutes long. We may not do the whole thing, but I want you to hear it because I think it starts to place some really good perspective from another voice besides mine on what really is at stake here. There's a tremendous amount at stake, and it's hard to accept some of these things because in order to get to the place of being at stake, we are going to have to look at ourselves very critically. And we're going to have to all carry the weight and the water for a lot of this because it is truly not just one person. It's not an outside agency. We have all opened up the portals for the demonic to come in. So let me just get a little bit graphic here a minute. Just, And I want you to understand something. When we go through the Bible and we, we talk, they talk about homosexual sex and they talk about that sort of thing. There is a ritual purpose for why that happens. And so I am, again, this makes people uncomfortable being graphic sometimes when it's going to get there. So it's the way it goes. Anal sex is seen by those of the occult as a way to open portals for the demonic. And so when we start to look at just that one aspect of how perverted and how that perverted practice has become standardized in our youth to avoid pregnancy, you can do those statistics yourself. Go read how many youth now engage in, in anal sex because it, it takes the risk of, anal, of pregnancy away. How it's become standardized in many of the marriages, how it has become standardized in the porn industry, how it becomes standardized in this whole disaster of an LGBTQ community. Every bit of those acts by the occult, and it goes biblically back, is opening portals for the demonic. So when we talk about the way that this whole attack on the family has happened, and I always make a comment that it goes down to the bedroom, 
It isn't just about a practice. It's about practices that are literally opening up portals for the demonic. And there's so many things about this lifestyle in which the modern world, I'm not putting it on anybody in this audience tonight, but I'm just laying it out here. The modern world has standardized things that are purely satanic and demonic in its nature for the sole purpose of doing ritualistic, getting ritualistic practices into people's rooms. And essentially what is happening is as people mimic those ideas, imagine that you've got a, a server, okay, and a powerful engine of a computer server. And that server is looking for nodes to connect to. Now, some of those nodes are intentional. So someone takes a laptop and they go over here and they connect with that. And they intentionally connect with that server. But the server has the ability to hunt and connect. So, and it can also use its connected nodes to do the same thing. So when somebody lights up another laptop and they don't understand what they're doing, they're actually turning on a beacon so that this server and this laptop can connect to it. That's essentially how the demonic portals are working in this nation and around the world. You have altars and you have supercharged altars and you have subaltars and you have ritual circles. And these practices and these horrific things are done to supercharge these spaces so that when people then mimic any of these things, it connects them. That's how Halloween works. That's how these sexual practices in the bedroom work. That's how all of this stuff is happening. And so what we're doing in our, if we don't start really looking at our lifestyles across the entire thing, we're not realizing that we are literally bringing about demonic activity into our lives, into our communities, into our family, into our home. And it's there. And it doesn't mean like suddenly you're going to have a demon come out of your room and all this, but it's an influence. And it's, it, it slowly, and some of this influences, it's just like degrading energy. This is a spiritual war. And the, the concepts behind this that, that are being used by the, the, by the occult are, I have to give them a head nod of fantastic because it's so sophisticated and so well organized in what they're doing. And yet the repelling of it is not hard. It's walking in that purity of Christ. But we can't be compromising. So a lot of this message, I just got through with a prayer walk, literally for the last 40 minutes from across the property, just praying and trying to get some clarity on stuff. And the demonic attacks are increasing. And I and you can start to see where the demonic is, is going. It takes advantage of arrogance. It takes advantage of when we don't deal with wounds. We try to brush them over and pretend they're not there. It takes advantage of our egos. It takes advantage of our weaknesses when we try to cover our weaknesses with like boldness. And, we, and the way through all of this is vulnerability. So in my own walk here, as God has led me, you, you, you all know more about me than anybody had, had ever in my life. Seriously, you all know the details of my life more than anybody I was ever with knows. And if you think that's not a little uncomfortable with an audience that spans 120 countries, and I'm just like spilling everything about my life here all the time, but that is as God's leading, and I've learned so much through this process that that vulnerability is actually strength. And the strength is that the enemy can't use any of it. And the enemy can't maneuver and, and manipulate any of it. So I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I want to be very clear about that. I don't do that. But I'm, I'm walking people through here a process which I believe because God puts it on my heart and he tells me, like, go do this and tell it to the public. And you're like, oh, 
Seriously? Like, you want me to take my entire vasectomy surgery and tell every deal, detail out here to the world? Yes, I do. Okay. What else, Father? I want you to go back and tell about it when it began. I want you to tell about your relationships over time. I want you to talk about the things that the pitfalls of your family. I want you to talk about all the honesty you can. And that's literally as God's putting on my heart all the time. And that paints a pretty honest picture that I am imperfect. But in the process there, the enemy loses grip and it can't hold on to things anymore. It can't use things. It can't lurk and say, if you don't, and you because the enemy does this and you know this, it'll whisper things to you and say, if you don't, if you do this, this is going to be revealed. This will happen to you. You know what's interesting about this? And this is the one part of the CIA that I have always respected. The CIA has a policy with, any, with its employees, particular people in the more sensitive areas like clandestine branch and other areas, that if you do something wrong, like we'll say you have an affair on your wife or your husband, or you have a, which happens as well, like you, and it could be like a homosexual affair, you steal money, you, whatever it is you've done. They have a forgiveness policy, within reason, but they have a forgiveness policy. But the forgiveness policy works like this. You have to take that, whatever you did, and you have to share it with your immediate family. You have to share it with your friends. You have to share it with your extended family. And you have to share it with your coworkers. Why do they do that? Because then a foreign country can't grab hold of it and use it against you. It, has, it loses its power. So my point of this is God does something very similar. And he's offering that. It's not that he's even offering. It's there for everybody to do. And it's hard to do. Not everybody has things in their past. that, But I would argue that everybody has things in their past they don't want to talk about. And when we do talk about them, when we bring them out, we gain strength. And that kind of leads us back to where I started. And then we're going to jump into this fourth watch piece. As we head into Christmas, and we have all these weighty things going on, consider steering and controlling a conversation differently. Rather than talking about the exterior influences like politics, which mean nothing except divide people, or the state of the economy, or all the things that are usually come up over turkey, ham, roast beef, whatever you're doing for Christmas, try considering talking about your own journey in Christ and the vulnerability of that. Not the, the, the nice platitudes of, I, you know, I accepted Christ and it's all good, this sort of thing. The hard part of it, the furnace, the refinement, the admissions, the, the coming to the throne to seek repentance and try talking about some of those things. Because when you do this, it opens up a different type of conversation. And as you do this, you're going to allow the, the power of Christ to work through you. And you're going to find words of the Holy Spirit unlike anything you've ever found. I guarantee you. And you can come into that being completely vulnerable in front of your family. And vulnerability disarms. You'll find somebody, you might, you might have that crazy uncle you don't like that's going to be drinking too much, that's going to say something stupid. Just blow it off. Pray for him. Say, I pray for you, rebuke you, whatever you have to do. Most families have one of them. 
But if we come into these family gatherings with the approach of speaking the honesty of our heart and the vulnerability of our heart, I don't know where your families are. I don't make any assumptions. Some families are walking with Jesus as a whole. Other families are divided. Other families are like really divided. Vulnerability disarms and vulnerability allows the Holy Spirit to work in and to heal. That's the truth. And the greatest power in all of this that God gives us is when we are humble before the throne and we are vulnerable before the throne. It's there that the greatest power of love comes out. So these conversations we've been having, and they're hard ones. They're hard ones about family to the root. They're hard ones to take because we start talking about things that people go like, that's my business, stay out of it. That'd be nice to say, except that in the body of Christ, when we're violating some tenets that are allowing demonic to move in, we're not just affecting you, we're affecting the body of Christ. So there is an individual aspect. There's also a collective responsibility. And so these messages, and we start to look at how the enemy's working. Someone asked me today, it's like, well, prove to me that this is really biblical, that like birth control is biblical because I don't see it and that this is biblical and I don't see it. I'm like, oh, I don't have to prove it to you. All I have to do is point to what the enemy is doing. And if the enemy's doing it, go the other way. So if the enemy's pushing for abortion, go the other way. If the enemy's pushing for birth control, go the other way. If the enemy is pushing for gender mutilation called transgender surgery, run the other way. If the enemy is pushing for inclusion and racial division, run the other way. See, that's my point. You don't even need to get into the scriptural proof of it. All you have to do is look at what they're doing and you know the moral base of where God is and it's like, okay, I'm going that direction. It's not hard. So we can we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of trying to find the exact word in Scripture and, and the, in this sort of doctrinal argument that then in the end of the day, it's not that there isn't doctrine to show it, but it gets to be so petty that we're missing the bigger picture. We have to be greater in the body of Christ right now. That is what is demanded. So I want to play this piece from Fourth Watch. We'll see how far we go, but it's good. I like him. I like when he talks. And I like the fact that I could really sit down and have a conversation with this guy and we would like literally have a great one and be in agreement. But what I'm trying to say is what's coming here is coming for the rest of the world. And I can tell you that same homelessness, the depravity, the drug use, the vaping, the abuse, the young men that are just out there to defile women, the young women who are out there to just use and abuse men. It is everywhere. The spiritual contagion and component that we helped give the entire world, 2 Timothy chapter 3, is now on display in every single country that I've ever been to over the last three years, which leads me to a very, almost kind of like inciting statement. I believe that in 1948, when Israel became a nation, started that 70-year clock that puts us kind of like in the end-time situation. I know a bunch of you guys go to Calvary Chapel here with Jack. And so, I, I, you know, you go through the math and you realize, okay, so 2018, 70 years is up. 2018, that, you know, the group of, of, of elite deplorables have their gathering on a pandemic. 2019, it gets rolled out. 2020, the first thing happens in all of the last, you know, 1,700 years. All churches worldwide shut down at the exact same time. So we know that the first 6,000 years, right, that's God's timing. The last 1,000 years is, is Christ's millennial reign. So at the end of 6,000 years, the time that Jesus is, you know, influencing the world is called the church age. So the last 1,000 is called the kingdom age. So in 2020, 
what we saw at a worldwide scale is that the church age ended and we are now transitioning into the kingdom age. And then what do, what do we see in 2021? The first time there's ever a worldwide challenge and a worldwide solution. There's, there's, a, there's a jab. And if you don't take it or take it, the whole world, every country, every society, everywhere had to make the decision. The Bible refers to that as a system, as an antichrist system. Because once that's on the scene, that's a system that the Antichrist kind of maneuvers into, takes advantage of. And so we're there. I don't know how much more you need to see. I'm not saying it's tomorrow because the transitionary periods of the Bible, Noah was 120 years. Moses was 40 years. Malachi did John the Baptist was 400 years. How many of you think that we can handle 40, even 400 years of this? Anyone? Okay, so... If it's on display, if it's in the word, show of hands. How many of your pastors are talking about rapture? Like it's on the table. Show of hands. Okay. How many people, how many pastors are talking about remnant? Oh, come on. I don't see. Yell it out. If I can't see a hand, yell it out. Anyone? I see one hand in the back that was like a sneaky little hand. What's the remnant? We know that Jesus is here for a thousand years. So that means Christians are here for a thousand years. We know that Revelation 20 says cowards won't enter heaven. So if Jesus died on the cross for our sins and then conquers the grave to restore our power, authority, and dominion so that we can trample all things, have dominion, right? Everything. And your pastor is telling you that you get a hall pass out and you get a hall pass and you get a hall pass and you get a hall pass. And everyone gets, everyone gets a hall pass out. You don't even have to think about being here because bye hall pass. It's hall pass. We're going, let's grab my hand. Let's go. Let's go see Jesus. Okay. So God sacrifices his only son for us to have power, authority, and dominion to restore what Adam really messed up. And you don't think it's cowardly to just want a rapture out of here? So the Bible then says, Babylon falls in, eight, in Revelation 18, 18, 20. It says, cowards don't enter heaven. I just want to ask this question. What do you say to God when you have your exit interview and, and you're like, man, thanks. That was close. I almost had to be persecuted. I almost had to die for my faith. That's awesome, man. The blue beam and the light just like took us up and like everything else. But hey, it's cool though, right? Like we're here, like where's the gold? Where's the mansions? We're here, like where's my keys? And he's just staring at you. He puts you here on the greatest rescue mission in yard from hell and you're celebrating getting out with a hall pass. And you don't want to be called coward. You don't want to be questioned. Everyone thinks that they're going to be told just because they got out in the rapture, well done, good and faithful servant. Who are we? I mean, outside of liars. How many of you, again, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to address is you're being spoken to about a rapture. Spoken to as if it's the predominant thing to focus on. And what does it do? It disengages you from the very tedious, difficult work of getting your ass kicked by mentioning Christ and possibly being hated and vilified and ultimately decapitated. Why do you think that the saints in heaven cry out for God to render judgment? Because things go sideways. 
and people are here through it and experience it and are tormented for it. And so I'm not saying that your pastors are setting you up for a fall. I'm just saying you have the opportunity of engaging your faith now on this side of heaven. You are a spiritual being surrounded by spiritual beings calling out to a spiritual God going to a spiritual place. And you don't even know who your spirit is. You don't desire spiritual gifts. How do you even know, as the Bible says, the seal and guarantee of Christianity is the Holy Spirit's mark on you? And you're being spoken to more about the mark of the beast than the mark of God. Amen. You have to exchange this tepid, lukewarm version of Christianity for being a full-blown criminal as it relates to Australian police calling you an extremist. So I'm addressing the heart. It's the want. Your pastors are going to say whatever your pastors say. I've already told you, you're the pastor six days a week. So you don't get a pass. Your pastor, no one gets a pass. They will be judged harsher than you will. But you still have to say, God, what is, you know, you'll have to explain your heart posture to God. And if your heart posture is rapture, show of hands. Who, who wants to just lay a hand on someone and heal them instantly? Be pretty cool, right? How many people have sick people in their lives? Cancer riddled people, right? Pastor Mike. How many of you wouldn't just do whatever you could in faith to make sure that guy's healed on the spot? Okay, what, what about dead people that die prematurely? We're kind of seeing a lot of that right now, right? Young kids dying on the field. Young adults, you know, dying. Sads, sudden adult. How many, how many, how many of you wouldn't want to defy the enemy's plan and bring those people back? Show of hands, anyone want that? So you, you actually want what the Bible has to offer you. What are you willing to do to get that? And there it is. What are you willing to do to get that? So that's where I'm going to take you back down to where we've been talking about. These messages. When you start peeling them back, all the layers of the onion. And this has been, I've been just beating on this all day in, in the last few days. But it's really important. We start peeling back the layers of the onion. And we start looking at all these things that are out here. We look at the economic war and we take them and wow, that's cool. We're looking at moving military equipment around and people are like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Or are we going to go to war? And the Gen Zers are like, I'm not going to go fight for the country and die. You've got the political war going on and people are like, oh, we're going to vote in Trump or we're going to vote in JFK Jr. Or we're going we're to have to get rid of Biden or we're going to get Biden or whatever. You got Congress in that political war. And you've got the whole war going on against kids in school and all that war is waging and you've got kids being influenced by literally demonically possessed people that are trying to twist these children into believing that their gender is flawed that's straight the hand of, the, of Lucifer that's the deceiver the liar I think I kids so wrapped around the axle on it that they literally say I am not good who I am it's a, it's a self-demeaning thing I am not good who I am. I'm not beautiful. I'm, I'm, I have guilt. So I need to change who I am. And so the change who they am is like, we can change you because we'll take you in and we'll, we'll give a sacrifice to Baal and Moloch as we cut off your genitals, cut off your breasts, and victory. That's the first sacrifice. The second sacrifice comes with the pharmakia that goes within them for the rest of their life until they die. And that's the third sacrifice, which is their body and their diminished soul. We're allowing that. The world we live in right now is layers of layers of distractions. The core of this whole thing is the family and the children. Because if you destroy the unit of the family, 
we cannot defend what God asked us to, to defend, which is the innocence of the child. We can't place the orphans and we can't bring in the widows. So right now, God's in this amazing process of literally connecting spiritual families. It's happening in my life at phenomenal rates, and I'm so blessed. People that he's bringing together, and we're building bonds like brothers. And God has given me his own word on this in Isaiah 61 when I was down at Yuba City, that the bonds of blood will not withstand what the bonds of the spirit family, of the spiritual family will. He's forging the spiritual family. That's biblical. He's done it, and he's doing it again. Because the main family, the blood families have been under attack, and unfortunately the blood families to a large degree have been weakened. So they're adding strength. We're creating homes for the orphans. We're creating homes and connections to absorb the, the, orf, the widows. And we're giving fathers to the fatherless. This is happening right now. But all of this is structured to try to reset a family which has been sieged and taken and destroyed. And so there's a process now of purification that we're all going to have to go through. Every one of us has to go through this. You don't get a pass. I don't get a pass. I've been going through purification at God's speed lately in the last nine weeks. It's just like left me and my knees too many days. And by the way, this concept, if you've heard it, and some of the prayer warriors know it, the travail, which is to literally call out in such amazing and incredible pain to the Lord. Our hearts just beckon for him. I didn't. I knew about it. I never experienced it. I've experienced it enough times now to never forget it. That the pain is so severe when you're calling out to him, it's literally like you feel like your heart's going to explode. And there's a process that we go through, which is we have to kill the flesh. And what does that mean? Because we say this, and it sounds nice. It's like, yeah, but what does that mean? It means that we start to build into the spirit realm everything that we should have done in the first place. Our relationships go into the spirit. Our, our family ties are built through the spirit. We don't rely on the things of the flesh first. And what happens in that? We start to gain some pretty incredible superpowers. And I'm going to speak to you honestly about this. There's amazing things we start to be able to do. We start to operate in the realm we should have been operating in all along, which is second heaven. And from second heaven, we can reach into kingdom. From kingdom, we can bring it into the earth. That's the whole idea. We have been inverted so badly that we believe that the flesh world, the dirt world, is literally where we start, and it's not. We have been sent here to, quote, fourth watch on the greatest rescue mission in the history of humankind. We have been selected to be here. We are the remnant. We are here for a reason, for a purpose. And we're out here to rescue, to heal, to restore that's the mission. And it's not going to just be given to us. This enemy is vicious. This enemy knows no limits, no bounds. This enemy will do anything to win and to hurt God. But the enemy is most afraid of what we carry within us, which is the love of kingdom. So we know that Christ's basic, the, the short list of what we can do with Christ is spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and the broken cast out demons, raise the dead, and ultimately seek this place of doing greater works. We got a glimpse of that with Peter who was able to walk on water. We've seen greater works where Jesus can turn fish and bread, pieces of fish and bread into a meal for thousands. These are the greater works. And there's many more. The question is, what are we willing to get do to get there and do it? And to do that, it isn't like, oh, I'll give, you'll say, someone will say, well, I'll give everything. Okay, well, what are, are you really willing to do everything? Are you willing to lay everything down and before the Lord and say, I, I will forsake all of this for you? 
everything. I will give up my job. I will give up my status. I will even place my family in your hands and your trust, and I will do all of this to serve you. That's the process of laying down, completely laying it down. There's no limits to it at that point. And you have to trust. And it's what really is the, the walk of the darkness of faith. And what I mean by that is you have to walk into a place where it is, your faith is so in, strong with the Lord that you cannot see the next step, but you know that he'll guide you in the right place. And that means that nowhere along there does your heart waver. And that's so important. We are literally in a critical, critical time right now. And in all of this, we have a responsibility. We're soldiers in God's army. And it's not something that we get to get a pass on. We don't, and you can, but just like was said in that piece just now, when you get up there and you're like, whew, that was awesome, man. I got my ticket out of here. I'm going to go up and I'm going to pull up some Mai Tais up here, some heavenly Mai Tais, because I don't think we do alcohol in heaven, so it would be heavenly Mai Tais. And we're going to be sitting back here kicking my feet up. Got a little place down on the beach in heaven. I'm all looking forward to it. Hoo-ah, I made it through, God. I didn't have to do the fight. And literally, it's going to be like, why do you think I sent you? Can you live with that? Because I can't. I can't live with that moment where God says, why did I send you? People want out because it squeezes, it's tough. This is, oh, this is really where the remnant steps in. This is what it is to be the remnant. And there will be a lot of people that tap out. This as the Navy SEALs will do, they ring the bell. There's a lot of people that are going to ring the bell. I don't think special forces ring a bell. They don't need a bell because they're cooler. But anyway, Navy SEALs have a bell. And when they go out and they ring that bell, that means they want out. And there's a whole bunch of people that want to ring the bell right now. And in this time right now, when we head into the holidays, there's, this is kind of like the distraction because we can go buy a bunch of stuff. We can go to buy a TV and we can buy a new computer and we can do these things to keep our minds busy and kind of forget about stuff until afterwards after the holidays and then we get the credit card bill if you're one that uses credit and I don't. But you're like, oh my gosh, what, how am I going to pay this new $5,000 debt limit because I went crazy over Christmas to buy everybody gifts and to make myself feel good. And then starts the insanity. Father God, help me pay this credit card bill. I need to pay it. How am I going to get it? And this is where we begin. And everything God is just went out the door and just became part of a Walmart payment plan. You know, it just, it is ridiculous. We have on our side, like he's the big guy on the team, the creator of all things. And then that's the other thing. It's like, oh my goodness gracious, things are falling apart. They're all going to, to, to hell. What are we going to do? It's like, we've got God. Christ died on the cross. He gave, he restored our authorities here on earth with that. He, he, the covenants that were made were made in his blood. And how many churches would be like, okay, all right, folks, now you're not worthy. You're not worthy. So just memorize scripture and that's as far as we're going to go. Like, are you kidding me? 
That's literally like getting the keys to a Ferrari and using it to drive 100 feet down the road and back every day to get your mail. The Bible, FM, field manual, field manual to for war because that's what God is. He is a war of God. He is a warring God. Yes, he's a God of love and infinite love. Yes, he's a God of infinite grace. He's a God of infinite mercy. He's also the God of miracles and God of the impossible, but he's also the God of war. And he's also a God of wrath. And if you think for a second that in this time of transition where we're moving into a whole new level, where we're moving into a kingdom era, and we are, if you think for a minute, he's going to stand by and he's going to let his children get slayed without any sort of power behind them, you're wrong. We just need to dig in deeper to him. We need to reach in higher to him. We need to be praying. You need to be praying every day. God, give me the works and wonders of the world to bring the miracles of your hand through mine. Every day. God, give me the authority to heal, not just one, but the mass all at once. God, give me the heal to deliver people, not in deliverance just for one, but the mass. God, give me the powers of the, of, the, of the prophetic and the apostolic. I'm ready. And if I'm not ready, Father, show me where I need to change. Show me what I need to do to refine myself so that I can receive those and be closer to you. That is every day. And everybody should be feeling this right now. I guarantee you are if you listen because it's there because it's not being limited. It's not like it's like, okay, I've got my short list of like five people. They're going to get the superpowers. The rest of you, nope, that's the payment plan. You didn't do that and you're not going to get the economy plan. So we're just going to do the free option for you. And that's got a 60-day option to it. And then after that, if you don't make it or you don't get to make the payment, then you lose it. That's not the way God works. It's there for everybody to reach and grab. And we all need to be. And it's a process. You know, one of the most powerful ways that I do when I start doing work in deliverance is one of the most powerful things I've discovered that God has done for me is I can start writing and talking it out. And when I start writing and talking it out, after I've done some deliverance, it just starts flowing. And I can start seeing it. I also know that I can, in prayer language, I can walk on the property and I can get to places and go and see things. This is just how it works with me. You'll find your rhythm. But we have to be fearless. I mean, we are the sons and daughters of the Most High. Someone said here, superpowers versus witchcraft it gets a little tricky. I'm using superpowers very loosely. These are anointings from God. They are not superpowers in that sense. And they don't get tricky with witchcraft because if you are using them with someone's authority or you are doing them with the guidance of God, it is never tricky. It's when we go in and we do things without people's authority that we get into white magic and black magic. That's where it gets tricky. We have to respect what God does for us. We all have free will. It isn't our option to go in. That's why you hear me say all the time, just to continue with that point. That's why I say all the time. You don't go in and someone says, I, need, I want to pray for this person to accept Jesus. I will never do that, ever. Not like that. I will say, I will pray for this person to have an encounter with Jesus. I will pray for this person to have an experience to open their heart to see Jesus. But to say you accept Jesus, I've overtaken your free will. And that's white magic. That's a spell cast. And as dark as that, as crazy as that sounds, you're not going to spell cast people. people. God never wanted people to come to him unless they chose to come to him. That takes us back to the book of Enoch. It takes us back to the fallen. The whole thing. 
this is such an amazing time to be alive. And it's so exciting. And it's like the greatest, the greatest conflict ever, ever. And you were born for this. You were brought for this. You're here for this. I mean, think about that. We literally have people in heaven that are watching this going, it's literally the cloud of witnesses that are just like witnessing this amazing time that we're part of. They're praying, they're with us, they're part of this with us. And so many would have wanted to be here in this hour when so much is for us. We look around and we go, this world's going crazy. Take yourself out of the world for a minute. Pull yourself out. Don't be attached to the world. You're not of this world. You're in the spirit first. And when you work in the spirit first and you take this fleshly body, this beautiful temple that God gives and you care for it and you use it, and then it suddenly becomes energized, like supercharged, energized or bunny, bunny type, you start laying waste to the enemy because you're praying into things. You're tearing down strongholds. You're seeing it as you walk. You're facing these enemies and you're casting them out. They fear this. Why do you think they go after kids so much? Because kids have the purity of connection with God and like that we spend our lifetime trying to reclaim. This is truly, truly such an important time to be engaged in our world. And it is because our mission is so important in a critical hour. We are moving from church age to kingdom age. And the enemy is doing everything it can to derail that, to try to get us to use our free will to destroy the world and ourselves. They have no authorities. We're giving it to them. And that's where we go back to the practices that start in the bedroom and move out. It goes back to how the family is, is viewed. When we start telling God, like, I don't want, I don't want more than one child. I, I only want two children. We're limiting God. That is not what God told us we can do. We're putting our seat on the, next to him going, hey, I know you want us to have lots of children. I'm going to tell you no. All of these things are little cuts on the edges that all of these thousands of cuts take us farther and farther away from him. It's an azimuth shift. It's the devil shift. It's the, it's the devil working his tricks. All you have to do is vector over one degree on 60 miles. You end up a mile off course at the end of 60 miles. Think about that for a minute. One degree from a starting point, you travel 60 miles forward one degree, you're one mile off course. That's all the devil's doing with a lot of chaos that goes with it. And this is truly a time when we have to anchor into things. Someone just wrote, when can we see results of victorious humanity? Why don't you tune in on Sunday mornings and listen to our prayers? Why don't you show up at Bards Fest and see the miracles of the living God when people walk out of Bards Fest that were in a wheelchair and left their wheelchair behind and left, or they man they had two canes that was walking free within one hour of being prayed upon? or the people that were delivered from demons that literally could not even function, they now are living functional lives. Why don't you hear, if you want to see the victorious of humanity, watch and follow Sunday morning where every single week we talk about healing cancers or somebody is near a near-death experience, a near-death end-of-life experience, and they come back. Children that are on ventilators that now, one, a few days later after praying, are walking home to, from the hospital. Those are the miracles of the, of the victories of God. That's the victories of humanity over this evil. And this is the power of what we bring to this fight. And all of this is walking in a purity of love and humility. And don't confuse righteousness with anger. 
And you have to be clear in your head because when you get angry, your heart gets clouded and you can't see in the spirit the same way and then we're attacking things the wrong way. The enemy wants to provoke anger. No righteousness, know what it means. It's clarity, it's intensity, it's a fire of the Holy Spirit. And there is no compromise in that. But don't let anger crop in. Stay clear in your head. Focus in on love. Stay focused on love and all of that. And the forgiveness of what we have to have in our hearts. Because this is the modeling of the perfect warrior. This is the walk of the samurai. And so as we step into all of these things and we raise up who we are, we start to identify who we are, we become who we're intended to be. It's a profound moment. And we get to touch a little bit of what God knows that we are. And with that, trust me, the earth shakes every time it happens. Every time someone turns around and says, oh yeah, I'm a son or I'm a daughter of the Most High and I will walk in that authority. And even if those authorities are things that like you can snap your fingers and everything works perfectly, that isn't the point. When you proclaim those authorities and you accept those anointings of the authorities in your life and you walk in them, now you start to live into them, now you start to believe in them and you let the Holy Spirit work through you with them and they will start working with you. But like everything else, you gotta keep doing it. And you can never waver. And you can't let the enemy have any doubt within you. I was dealing with, with some prayer attack from a friend earlier tonight. And it was serious. And I could, I, they couldn't send me the information or the details, so I had to step in to support them in prayer. They asked for prayer. I did. And I'm telling you, the minute I walked in, I felt it. it like it almost knocked me over. It was so dark. And immediately it gets into your thoughts and your head and you start to starts to divide you and create all these ridiculous thoughts in your head. That's the type of darkness we're talking about. You've got to pivot back to Jesus. You have to keep your eyes on what you're intended to do. You have to pray into this even more. You have to use the methods and tools that God gave you. For me, part of it is articulating through writing or vocal. And I start to articulate and it starts to come out and start, I start to see it. And now I can see what the enemy's doing and I rebuke the enemy and I come back at it. And now I'm going to wage war on this enemy. And I'm telling you, after the show tonight, I'm actually kind of excited because I know where the demon is and I'm going to go after it. I'm going to slay this thing. I swear when I'm done, it's going to be burning in the lake of fire for eternity. And you have to have that fire in you. You have to have the fire and the righteousness within you to go after these demons and not be afraid of them, but be looking forward to it. It's a great day when you can get a demon and slay it. And when you have to do that, then you've got to make sure you find people and you talk to people. And I do this all the time. I'll be in there and I'll say, hey, look, I, I think there might be some stuff going on. Do I have your permission? to do some prayer work around you, and if I see demons, to be able to cast them out and then bring it back to you and work with you to heal that spot. You have to ask these things. And if they say yes, whew, that's game on. That's like, how quickly, Father, can I polish my sword and how quickly can I be ready to fight? That's where we're at. And this fight all around us right now, it's here. And these demons are in, on, in a frenzy right now for so many reasons. They know that there's a timeline. I don't know what it is or why, but we know that they know that there's a timeline. And we are, they are coming at us hard. So we'll come at them. And so we will defeat them. We will cast them out. And we will do our job of the greatest rescue mission in the history of man. So... That's life, by the way. That's speaking life, not speaking death. And it all starts from a very critical place. Be vulnerable.
And you can begin that conversation with your family by being vulnerable. And you can tell them about you and your walk and all the things that you face. And maybe, you know, dropping the idea of Leviathan or of a demon or something or looking at somebody and going, yeah, you got a demon sucking off your back of your neck. That may not be the easiest icebreaker. I learned sucking down on turkey and ham. Maybe not. Maybe. But I guarantee if you tell your personal story and they hear it, there's going to be a lot of curiosity. And we can change the conversation and we can turn it into a kingdom conversation. And in the process, we can bring Holy Spirit into the families and we can heal. And even if things don't heal immediately around you, the seeds are planted for them to prosper and grow. And that's a blessing I hope everybody receives. Let's pray. Father, we're deeply humbled in this evening just to walk this path with you, humbled by all that we are, all that you've given us to be. And Father, this is a a time right now when we really have to keep our focus to avoid the pitfalls of anger and hatred, to avoid those challenges that the demonic wants to do to lure us in, to divide, to hate. And so, Father, as we pray into this tonight, we're just praying in for our conversations of vulnerability, to bring this into our tables, to bring this into our homes, to bring this into our celebrations with family, to talk from our heart of the vulnerability of walking in the body of Christ, to transform things that could be divisive into things that can be unified, to bring unity into the family, to bring healing into the family, and to truly anoint these each person that does this with the blessing of the words that allow people's hearts to open and to hear the stories that lead us to Jesus. For those that are in the family that are already walking with Jesus, may these stories inspire them to go further. And for those that aren't walking with Jesus, may these stories open their hearts to have them be curious, to ask questions, to lead them into that place where they can learn and accept the power and the glory of Christ. And for each person here listening and receiving tonight, Father, we just ask for the gifts of the apostolic and the prophetic. We pray for the gifts of the healing, healing hands to heal the sick, to heal to heal the broken, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and most importantly, the, to be able to speak pr- prophetically and profoundly and inspired the works of Jesus, the gospels of Jesus Christ. May you bless all of us in this walk as we head into the Christmas and Christmas week following to have that encouragement quickness in our step of life to know that we are on the victory path. The enemy is on the run and we will continue to pursue the enemy ruthlessly and the enemy will not escape. He has no place to hide because at the end of the day, we will find everyone and we will cast them to the lake of fire or cast them to the feet of Jesus for judgment. And we say these things in Christ Jesus name. Amen. So we stay focused you can get up now, and you're, if, if, for some of you in the East Coast, it's like almost, wow, it's almost one in the morning. Still good that time. Get your tennis shoes on. Go do, do like, you know, 50 push-ups. Uh, run up the hill a couple of times, a couple of JJs. You know, this is, this is what we do. <laughs> and all doing it in the name of Jesus. It's all good. All right, patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. 
expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a blessed night. Hope you have a blessed, a super blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.
just to 